at the quotes of Christmas. But before we do that, he thought I forgot. I'm bringing our intern Colin Mattingly up here. He's going to grab a microphone. Believe it or not, today is the final Sunday of Colin's internship with us. Almost four months. He's done a fantastic job. You're going to have an opportunity at the end of our service to express your thankfulness for the hard work that Colin has brought us this semester. We're going to take up a love offering. But I thought it would be uh, helpful for you to hear from him uh, just a little bit about his internship. So Colin, just start by telling us, what have you learned this semester uh, about ministry, about life during your internship? Believe it or not, they don't teach you everything there is to know at Bible College about what a minister's job really is. Um, What I've learned this semester is it's more um, than just getting up here on Sunday morning and speaking. Uh, When I came into Clinton in August, that was all I really thought it was. Uh, I I thought I would come in here, get better at speaking, um, get better at at just preaching and teaching. But coming in, I I really enjoyed learning the different other aspects of ministry, um, the aspects of calling in the hospitals and funeral homes and stuff like that, and just the different organizations you're a part of in the community. And just the office work that I've done, and just every, I've learned a lot of different things to do with ministry, and it should help me out a lot. Give us a couple highlights. What have you enjoyed the most? Uh, basically, the thing I've enjoyed the most is just meeting everyone here. Uh, they've really inspired me to be a better person, inspired me to be, just grow in my faith with Jesus Christ. Um, when I got here, I, I'd just come off a summer of camp teams, and I was drained and really struggling with just where do I need to go next, and the mm-hmm. people here really helped shape me and helped me grow throughout the semester. If you were to talk about what stretched you the most, what what would that be? Stretched me the most was when I would go on visits with Kent and Mm -hmm. with Kent and just the different hospital calls and the different nursing home calls um, coming into the semester. That was something that I really wasn't really good at. And and throughout the semester, I think it really challenged me to become better at that. And that stretched me the most. When church is over, Colin's going to be at the back door shaking hands. I hope you will shake his hand and thank him for his hard work. Will you give it up for Colin right now? Thank you, ma'am. I love Christmas. I look forward to Christmas um, really all year long. And I love Christmas because I love the Christmas story. And I love the movies of Christmas. And I love the music of Christmas. My iPod is chalked full of songs that help get me in the Christmas spirit. And if I were to say one thing about Christmas that has really resonated with me, it's probably the quotes of Christmas. And so what I want to do this morning, I want you to play along with me. Take your sermon outline, and I've given you a couple blank spaces. I want you to write down what are some of the most memorable quotes from the music of Christmas, and what are some of the most memorable quotes from the movies or the the novels of Christmas. Go. The movies of Christmas, the music of Christmas. What, what quotes jump out at you? And as you do that, I'm going to distract you, and I'm going to tell you that we had a great time Friday night at Fan the Flame. This sanctuary was transformed. You would not believe all the stuff they brought in. Uh, it was just an incredible show. I can't believe we actually have it put back together. That, that's pretty stunning as well, but it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you to everyone that played a part in Fan the Flame Part 2 on Friday night. The quotes of Christmas. Someone give me a quote from a Christmas song. What do you think? Okay, so what's the quote? Oh, Holy Night. Okay, there's the quote. Okay. Go tell it on the mountain. Jingle bells. What'd you say? 
Jingle all the way. Good. Very good. Let me give you some of my favorite Christmas music quotes. How about this one? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. That's one. How about this? Over the river and through the woods. To grandmother's house we go. I didn't sing that one, you notice. How about rocking around the Christmas tree? Let the Christmas spirit, what's the next word? Rain. There you go. Okay. Or ring. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. And how about it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas? Those are some of the most famous quotes from Christmas songs. What about Christmas movies or Christmas novels? What are some quotes that come to mind? What's that? God blesses everyone, okay? You'll shoot your eye out. That's a great Christmas movie, by the way, A Christmas Story. Let me give you four this morning. See if you can name the movie. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. It's a wonderful life. What about, Dave Glenn, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. A Christmas Story. you got to love Ralphie. What about this? See how good you are. I never thought it was such a bad little tree. It's not bad at all, really. Maybe it just needs a little love. A Charlie Brown Christmas. That's right. And then finally, see how good you are. 15 shillings a week, a wife and five children, and he still talks of a Merry Christmas. A Christmas Carol. Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Maybe you've read it. Maybe you've watched it. Maybe you've done both. I love the quotes of Christmas. But here's the catch this morning. Here's what I want you to understand. American Christmas songs and movies and traditions are really not what Christmas is about at its very core. Every year about this time, I read about a so-called war on Christmas. Anybody read about the war on Christmas? And they talk about department stores, and they talk about um, employers, and they talk about communities that want to take the Christ out of Christmas. Read about that all the time. There is a war on Christmas, but that is not the war on Christmas that I'm most worried about. I, I have to be really honest with you. It does not affect me one way or another whether the cashier at Walmart says Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays to me. It really doesn't. Maybe you're fired up, and if you're fired up, we live in America, you can be fired up. But what bothers me the most, what troubles me the most, what burdens me the most, is that too many of us think that these great quotes that I've just shared are what Christmas is really all about. And so this morning, this message is really simplistic in nature. You didn't need a theological giant to put this together. We're going to look at, first of all, the true quotes of Christmas from God's Word. And then we're going to figure out, what do we do this Christmas season, every Christmas season, with the true quotes of Christmas? And in order to do that, we're going to read a whole bunch of the Christmas story. And I'm at, I've asked some of my good friends to come because my voice is fading quickly. And we're going to look at the Scripture and, and God's Word and what the true story of Christmas, and I about fell down there, is really all about. So Cody's going to start, and then Mackenzie, and then Jordan are going to read for us the scriptures of Christmas. See how many quotes you can come up with this morning. Cody? Starting in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to, to Nazareth 
a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will, I, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it, may it be to me as you have said. Matthew 1.18 This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to, who, to those whom, on whom his favor rests. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The quotes of Christmas. Did you come up with any? The quotes of Christmas. This morning, I want you to see first and foremost that the true quotes of Christmas do not come from our culture. They come from Scripture. The true quotes of Christmas do not come from culture. They come from Scripture. And I want to give you four And I hope these four will connect with you. And number one, surely you heard it. Cody read it. Mackenzie read it. Jordan read it. Number one, do not be afraid. It was in Matthew 1. It was in Luke 1. It was in Luke chapter 2. Do not be afraid. Can you imagine being a sadiq, a righteous man? You want to live according to the law of the Lord. And your fiance comes to you. You know you've not been, you know you've not behaved like you should not have. You know that baby's not your baby. And she says, don't worry, honey. Everything's going to be okay. God is the father. Yeah, right. You'd be afraid. Or imagine you are a shepherd and you are tending your flocks at night and all of a sudden a whole bunch of angels show up and the glory of the Lord is just unbelievably powerful and it's bright and it's loud and you'd be afraid. Or maybe you're a 15-year-old girl and you know you're pure. You know you're a virgin. And an angel shows up and says, I've got some good news for you. You are pregnant. God is the father. You're going to give birth to the son of God. You would be afraid. And yet the same command, the same imperative is shared by the angel to all three. Do not be afraid. But here's the catch. We are a people who really struggle with fear. If we were being honest, every single one of us here today, if we were being honest, would say we're afraid of at least something. Maybe we're afraid of the unknown. Maybe we're afraid of a disease. Maybe we're afraid of a relationship dissolving. Maybe we're afraid of the choices that those around us are going to make. Maybe we're afraid of what the future holds. Maybe we're afraid of job security. Maybe we're afraid of health care. We're people who struggle with fear. And yet understand, my faith in Jesus Christ, your faith in Jesus Christ is enough to allow us to conquer any fear that might come our way. Kathy Tomlinson shared with me an awesome quote at the end of first service, and I want to share it with you. Here's what she said. She stole it from someone else, wasn't sure who said it. Feed your faith and your fear will starve to death. Feed your faith and your fear will starve to death. Quote number one, do not be afraid. Quote number two was in Matthew chapter one, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. For centuries, God's people had longed for a Messiah. They had longed for the Christ. They had longed for hope. And many of those centuries were downright miserable. They were times of oppression. They were times of silence. God was silent for over 400 years. And during that time, his people longed for hope. Friends, I hate to wait. 
And I know many of you hate to wait. I mean, I'm impatient if there's six cars in front of me at McDonald's, okay? Can you imagine waiting hundreds of years for a Savior, hundreds of years for a Messiah? But when Jesus Christ was born, Emmanuel, God with us, the, the incarnation realized this long wait. The incarnation realized this century-long wait. It, it was waiting no more. Hope had been realized. God with us. That is an awesome quote of Christmas. God with us. Number three, at the end of the encounter between Mary and the angel, the angel reminds Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. How big is God in your mind? In your world? Have you ever prayed a prayer and thought to yourself, I'm going to pray this prayer, but I'm pretty sure this prayer isn't going to be answered. It's just too big. It's just too much. It's just too extreme. Friends, nothing is impossible with God. Don't put God in a box. God can do. God will do anything that he wants to. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns. And maybe this Christmas season, a lesson you can learn just in your faith, where you're at, with your struggles, with your life, is that nothing is impossible with God. Now the temptation is to try to take a verse like that and to use it for our own selfish means. I've heard preachers quote this and quote, I've come to bring you life and to have life to the full, to mean that if you just want to be a millionaire, just have enough faith. Or if you want to just have the most incredible worldly success in business, just pray nothing is impossible to God enough and it will happen. That's not what this is about. That's not what the faith is about. But maybe you came here today and you're thinking, you know, I really wish my my spouse would come to know Jesus. Or maybe you were thinking, I I really wish that that family that just moved in down the street, they would find a church home where they can grow in their faith. But I'm not sure I'm the person. I'm not sure I have the right words. I'm not sure I have all the answers. Nothing is impossible with God. God specializes in the extraordinary. And yet, so much of the time, When extraordinary things happen, it's very ordinary people like you and me that are his instruments today. Nothing is impossible with God. And quote number four, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Um. Sin is awful. Dana talked about that a little bit during our communion devotion today. And you don't want to think about sin at Christmas time. You don't want to think about the devastation that, that sin can create. But the reality is sin unchecked. Sin running rampant leads to death. That's repeated over and over and over again in the New Testament. And that is why your sanctuary looks like it does this year. I, I love how our sanctuary looks. 
I love the great job that Mary Holland does and Joyce Mathias. They, they spent days making this as beautiful as it is. And just as a side note, please pray for Dan. Dan, Dan had a stroke this week and really need to be praying for him in the midst of his recovery. But as we were talking about what's the stage going to look at, I, I love that tree. I've had some people come to me and say, should we do away with all Christmas trees? It's a part of culture. Let's be countercultural. We're getting rid of Christmas trees. I hope that never happens. I love the Christmas tree. I think there's a lot of Christian messages that we can find in the Christmas tree. But I am absolutely emphatic that when this tree is on our stage, that tree must also be on our stage. We must never lose sight of the fact that the beautiful baby that was laid in the manger, he was born so he could go to the cross and die for you and for me. Jesus Christ was born to save. Have you realized that saving relationship? Well, those are the quotes of Christmas. And those aren't the only four quotes of the Christmas narrative. I'm not even sure they're the most important four. But there's four that I want you to connect with this Christmas season. Do not be afraid. God with us. Nothing is impossible with God. Christ was born to save. So what do we do with these true quotes of Christmas? What do we do with it? I hope that this year you will allow the true quotes of Christmas to have the greatest impact in your life this Christmas season. I'm not saying don't watch a Christmas story. I, I will watch a Christmas story on Christmas Day once again if TBS or TNT does the marathon. I, I will watch it. I love it. I will sing Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. And sometimes when you all aren't watching, it's quite a sight to see me sing some of these songs. But don't let the cultural Christmas have the greatest impact in your life. Let these true quotes of Christmas, let the true Christmas story have the greatest impact for you and your family. And there's two challenges. And number one is this, embrace the blessing of the incarnation in the midst of our commercialized Christmas. If a checkout person at a store says to you, have a happy holiday, here's a way you can make an impact. I wish you a Merry Christmas. May the love of God bless you this Christmas season. They might look at you like you're a little weird, but that's okay. That's okay. On vacation this summer, we drove through like 79 toll plazas uh, just on our little journey. And, and I kind of freaked out my family when I started doing it. But instead of saying, have a good day, I started simply saying, have a blessed day. And you would not believe the looks. Just that simple change in word, have a blessed day. I mean, it was like, whoa, that's different. Have a blessed day. Did anyone come to know Jesus from that? Probably not. But maybe, just maybe, someone walked away wondering, well, what's that even mean? What's it mean to be blessed? Maybe I heard about that when I was growing up. Will you stretch yourself, will you stretch your family spiritually this December? Are you taking time to use the Advent devotional that we gave out? It, it, do we have some left, by the way? I think we have some left at the Welcome Center. If you didn't get one last week, grab one. Are you stretching yourself spiritually? I, I love what Allison and Carla and Barb came up with with the nursing home um, plan a week from Monday. But you know what? You could do your own plan with your family, with your friends, with your small group, with your circle. Stretch yourself spiritually this December. And then secondly, will you use the opportunities of Christmas to share about Jesus? 
Will you share, will you use the opportunities of Christmas this December to share about Jesus? I think people are more open. Their antenna is more alive this time of the year spiritually. I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's tradition. I don't know if it's reminiscent back to their upbringing. But I think people are more open to the good news of Jesus Christ in December than maybe any time during the year. See, the reality is Christ was born to save and Christ followers, we are called to be ambassadors on his behalf. You're called to be an ambassador. I'm called to be an ambassador. That's on your handout. To be an ambassador on Christ's behalf. Will you be an ambassador? Will you share the good news? What's that look like, Greg? Maybe it means come to church with me. I invite you to come to church with me. Maybe it means, let me tell you about the grab-and-go. Maybe it is, we, we've got a cantata next Sunday. We've got a Christmas play in two weeks. We've got Christmas Eve services on the 24th. Maybe it's an intentional conversation. Maybe it's saying, let me tell you the difference Jesus has made in my life. And let me invite you to learn more about what it means to be a follower. See, the big idea is just three words. Make a difference. Make a difference this December. The temptation in a message like this is to say, there, there's too many people in my life that don't know Jesus. There's too many families in my neighborhood. We could never tackle them all. Then, then how about just make a difference for one? How about target one person this December? How about you target one family this December? If you're a student at high school or junior high, one classmate, one teammate, one person, and love them with the love of Christ like you never have before, I promise you, you will make a difference. And so my challenge for everyone that's here today that is a person of faith, will you embrace one final quote of Christmas? It's the words of Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. When all of this was shared with her, she simply said, I am the Lord's servant. Use me. If you embrace that challenge, if you say, God, here I am, use me, I promise you, our impact will be great for his glory. The quotes of Christmas. I love Christmas. Let's tell the story. God,